Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. Welcome to Revolution. (laughs) It is Easter Sunday. And uh, what an Easter Sunday it is. I know, I'm sorry. The organist was sick today. Um, so yeah, pretty cool. Uh, my wife called me and invited me over for breakfast and Easter basket hunting. We hunted for Easter baskets rather than eggs this morning must be a Swiss thing. My wife's Swiss. But it was nice to be with the family and just come together and do something special for a special occasion and just kind of put all the divorce junk and all that stuff aside and just be. So that was really lovely. So I thought I'd share that with you all. As you guys know, I've been going through quite a bit of stuff here. And um, next week... Reverend Caleb will be preaching the gospel. I will be in Belfast, Ireland for Wakefest with my best friend Peter Rollins. And uh, I have have not got much of a better friend than Pete Rollins. That guy, Pete Rollins, and I would say Tony Jones have played an integral part these past six months also, the Christopher family, and making sure that this guy stays alive and semi-healthy. Um, <laughs> I've lost 20 pounds, so. And as Bob pointed out, more hair. <laughs> With friends like you. Um, but <clears throat> I have... Uh, been in a state of grieving a lot of different things in my life and starting a new life, um, which has been incredibly strange, uh, difficult. It might start to feel a little bit exciting. I think this coming week when I get out of town will be really exciting. Um, This week we end uh, the mediation for our divorce and start some counseling for our children. And then I fly off to Belfast, and I'm excited to hear what the philosophers and theologians um, have to say. So, it's pretty exciting. But uh, today's sermon is um, not really an Easter sermon. Surprise, surprise. Turn to Galatians 1. I'm just kidding. (laughs) He's lost his mind. Um, No. um, It's more of a uh, Good Friday sermon, if you will. But since we don't meet on Good Friday, um, we're going to do a little bit of that. And I don't know how well it's going to go. We're just going to play it by ear. 
my understanding of God is evolving and changing. Um, starting to see God as as the unconditional, something that I cannot understand, not a person, place, or thing. And uh, learning to embrace that a little bit. Starting to study a little bit about uh, Christian atheism, which is extremely bizarre. Sounds bizarre, but it's actually not as bizarre as it sounds. It's not that weird once you read it, once you understand it. Um, it's not traditional Christianity, nor is it traditional atheism in the ideas. It's uh, some ways allowing God to be God, um, but not some secret God that's hiding in the background waiting for some sort of victory or to take things over, but just allowing God to be God. Um, but today, we're going to start in Matthew 26. Um, Matthew 26. I'm going to start in 36. 26, 36. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gehenna. Am I pronouncing that right? And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began grieved and angst. Um, aggrieved and agitated. There's a great line in, uh, in an Elvis Costello song called Deep Dark Truthful Mirror. And it's just a small little smidgen of a line, but it says, Jesus wept and felt abandoned. And uh, for some time, for some reason, every time I hear that, and I think of the, the depth of the song called Deep, Dark, Truthful Mirror, and Jesus wept and felt abandoned, it just resonates with my soul. He grieved even to death. Remain here and stay awake with me. And going a little further, he threw himself on the ground and prayed. My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. Of course, then he finds his disciples sleeping and all that stuff because they were just a really sharp bunch. Um, but think about the journey of the Gospels and everything that Jesus has been through the people he's met, he's talked to, tables he's turned over, and, well, not actually, probably actually tables, but probably cloths, and um, people he's healed, the parties he's attended. Uh, the Pharisees he's confronted. The good news that he's brought. But at this point, he is grieving and full of what does it say? He grieved and agitated. And I tell you what, I understand the grieving and agitation quite a bit to the point where it's uncomfortable. And sometimes you feel like you're dying or you want to die. 
and you want to let go. And Christ was saying, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, this cup of suffering. Jesus is saying, if I don't have to do this, if there's a way around crucifixion, if there's a way around this suffering, please let it pass. So what we see here is the humanity of Jesus. When we often miss it, but I think we see it also when Jesus is at the t- uh, sitting at a table and a Samaritan woman comes and asks him for something. And he goes, you know, have I come for the dogs, blah, 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 and all this. And she goes, well, even dogs get crumbs from the table. And it says Jesus was moved with compassion. And we see these moments of Christ where he is moved and changed. That's one of the things I have a hard time with um, Calvinism is that they don't think God changes or moves or thinks or does these things. But he's moved with compassion. And here he is moved with fear, agitation, and grief saying, please let this cup pass from me. So I still want your will but if I cannot have this, if I can stay away from this because I feel such grief, such agitation. And this is something that I think we all share with Christ. So when it says share in Christ's suffering, this is part of that sharing in the suffering. We all go through grief. We all go through this. We all go through different types of agitation and loss and hurt and pain and worry and fear. And Jesus, I love how it says he threw himself on the ground. Very dramatic. You know, this is someone who's, who's obviously wounded and full of fear. Full of pain. And that pain is... Um, something we will all share in. Matthew 27. Forty-five. It says, From noon on, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And about three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Aliyah, Aliyah, Lama." Sabak Thanai. This is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I've heard some people say that this is the moment where Christ became an atheist on the cross. Um, I remember I said that once in an interview and. I've never received so many tweets and emails in my life of saying, what are you talking about? Are you crazy? Are you insane? I'm like, oh no, I've just been hanging out with weird theologians. Um, But I come back to that Elvis Costello song where Jesus wept and felt abandoned. And in this moment, Christ felt abandoned by God. Uh, Some of us in the Christian religion believe that Jesus was God and that God abandoned God. 
I wish I had Pete Rollins' book. He talks a little bit about this in one of his books, but I couldn't remember which one it was, and so I'll have to steal some of his books when I see him this week. Um, I could have just texted him and asked <laughs> to give me a good quote. But, um, but this is one of those moments where we all, we all go there. We all, I think we all have moments of feeling abandonment by God. So to suffer with Christ and have to share in the suffering with Christ, to take up your cross, is to often feel that abandonment. You know, um, when we feel forsaken, we share in that suffering. Doubt fills us. We go, what has happened to my God? Where are you? And as one of my, I was preaching one of my sermons and I said, you know, I don't feel like God is here. And Caleb mentioned, he's like, well, maybe you're thinking, you know, maybe it's like what Pete talked about when Jesus cried out on the cross, Father, why have you forsaken me? And um, I know in my own personal life, I've felt forsaken by God the past six months of my life. And that's a hard thing as a pastor to feel and show up every Sunday and continue to do this. But I've realized that there's something that if God is the unconditional, if God is beyond that what I can understand, if God is the infinite, I've got to live life on life's terms. And I think that's one of the things we're not taught in the church is learning to live life on life's terms. You know, we're taught, if God to make a way where there is no way, God is good all the time, all the time God is good, you know. I, uh, see if I can find... my text I texted Pete when I was reading this book The Folly of God and I said what's the difference of calling God the unconditional versus love and he said good question (laughs) love can be seen to refer more to something subjective subjective subjects subjects love or love is a subjective feeling that beings have the unconditional is more of a philosophical. It's just a reference to a type of reality unconstrained by things. Do you hear that? A type of reality unconstrained by things. Now, I honestly think that when Corinthians 13 was written, fourth, especially 4 through 7, I think Paul was trying to communicate this with us. I think love was the best concept he had for that. But his concept of love is something that we don't necessarily have. It keeps no record of it has been wrong, never gives up, never loses faith, is always truthful, endures through every circumstance. 
we all love people, but we all love people to a certain extent. Right? So I think this, the reality that, this type of reality of this unconstrained by things is God. Is that love that I think Paul was trying to communicate to us as believers. Is saying God is unconstrained. Um, even I was surprised to realize that, that this line, uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, is actually from Psalms. And I've been a pastor for 20 years, and it took the lexicon of Google to make me realize that this was in Psalms. Honestly, I'd never knew that, so... Confessions. I've gotten a lot of great theology from Google. Um, of course, there's always some really fun, what did God mean when this and said this by, like, you know, John Piper. Um, I skipped that one. I want to look at Psalms 22, 1 through 11. Um, I feel like lately my sermons are more like sermonettes than sermons. I don't feel like I have like these long, boisterous sermons. I just feel like I have these pops right now. Um, bites. And I just, I thank you all who are going through this transition with me. Psalms 22 says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? From the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. You are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. And your ancestors trusted them to trust you, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put, were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a human, scorned by others and despised by the people. All who see me mock at me. They make mouths at me. They shake their heads. Comment your cause to the Lord. Let him deliver. Let him rescue the one in whom he delights. I love how this so much goes on with the crucifixion story. Yet it was you who took me from the womb. You kept me safe on my mother's breasts. On you I was cast from birth, and since my mother bore me, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Now I'm ending there because there's a lot more to go, but I feel like this is a good place to stop with, with, with this Psalms. 
And look at this. Do not be far from me, for the trouble is near, and there is no one to help. So we believe this is the Psalms of David, and that this is David's plea from deliverance, from suffering hostility. You know, oh God, I cry by day, but you day, do not answer, and by night, but you find no rest. No, by night, but find no rest. Um, there are so many millions of people who feel this, who suffer this, who deal with this. Even Mother Teresa dealt with this. This doubt. The doubt that will fill us. Paul Tillich said doubt is not the opposite of faith. It is merely an element of faith. And so we must learn to embrace doubt. We also must learn to embrace being abandoned by God at times or feeling abandoned by God. You know, there's the famous footprints story, but I don't really feel like that's fits here we're told too often that God would take care of us but life's follies often has its way we must allow the darkness to come in for only through experiencing that can we walk through life's difficulties nowhere has it been promised that life would be easy. It's a narrow road and we all fall short. Now when I say that we all fall short, I think back to Christ's other words on the cross. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. We're human beings living in a human experience. We serve an invisible God. And we suffer together. If this is a time where so many people celebrate victory over death and the resurrection and the coming back of Christ, but today I celebrate Friday and Saturday. I think of the abandonment of the disciples have must felt on those days and the fear to the point where they just went back to life. Just back to living, to trying to live a normal life. And sometimes it takes that. And I don't know what resurrection is right now. I'm hoping for it in my own life. But I, as a pastor, will not bring something to you that I don't have myself, okay? I'm not going to sell something to you that I don't have. I'm going to be honest with you, transparent with you, and that's all I can be. And... um Right now, I think I feel my humanity fully. 
in my suffering. But isn't it good news that even when we don't feel God, when we feel abandoned by God, we are still sharing in the suffering of Christ? There's something interesting there. There's something valuable there. I don't know exactly what it is right now. I wish I could give it to you. But even that, even the dark night of the soul is given to us in Christ. Even the abandonment of God is given to us through Christ. I think this talk is right up there when I had Tony and Pete come speak at Revolution about 10 years ago in Brooklyn, New York and argue the resurrection on Easter Sunday. That was interesting. Um, <laughs> no, Tony Jones. Um, For those of you who feel like this is a dark sermon or a dark talk, I just want to, you know, let you know. Look at what came down the road. Look what happened. You can put your faith in that. But right now I have to stop at crucifixion. That's where my life lays right now. And... um And I hope in the resurrection. I hope for resurrection. I hope for good news. I hope beyond hope. And that's what I have, is I have hope. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this time together. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I don't know if I'm speaking to an empty room or speaking to you. But I ask that we must, that if we must fill this forsakenness, that our path would somehow be covered with grace. And we would find mercy. And we ask, where are you? Amen. Happy Easter. Um, (laughs) Doesn't look like we're doing afterglow today. That's okay. So, um, oh yeah, that's true. Thanks for listening. Um, well, first of all, one of the things I say is we're a nonprofit, and if you want to hear more exciting, encouraging sermons like this, <laughs> you can go to revolutionchurch.com and donate.
or you can go to the Facebook page and donate there. That's how this church stays alive. And we especially need your help right now, especially when the pastor is going through a theological dark night of the soul. Um, Because I want to be able to keep this going and uh, keep wrestling and struggling with this. Um, I hope you'll stay and be part of my journey and uh, the journey of this church. Thank you. This is Revolution. A post-Christian production.